sure. We are thrilled to welcome in former Australian international, uh, part of the SEN Cricket family, Bryce McGain. Welcome to the show. Hello Thanks, from Daniel. Hello, Great to be with you. How are you doing, my friend? Yeah, really good. Good to be catching up. And this is much anticipated for Australia. It's been something on the horizon all the way through our summer. We've uh, covered a test series with uh, with Pakistan, then West Indies, and then some short-form stuff when the white balls came out with West Indies. But this is the pinnacle um, going over Australia. I think Australia need to play New Zealand more often. And it's disappointing that there's two tests a little bit later on, not a three-test series or, or something a bit more substantial towards five. But... The, the, the white ball is important little con, um, in, in context to this because the three T20s are the last opportunity for these Australians to uh, prepare for the World Cup um, over in the US and the Caribbean in June. Yeah, it's a really important series. We spoke to Sam Wells, uh, the chief selector of the Black Caps yesterday, looked at the New Zealand squad and, and he echoed those thoughts, uh, Bryce. You know, that clock is ticking, isn't it? It's fast, fast approaching. So when you reflect on that series against the West Indies, did it answer some questions? Did it pre uh, present some new challenges maybe? Because the, the, the side, over all forms of the game, are finding ways to just constantly win and win. Are, are they looking as, what, title favourites again for a World Cup? Look, I, I think they're, they're bringing the components together. They've used this series to, to rest a few players, to be perfectly honest. The, the fast bowling attack hasn't been out there. Pat Cummins hasn't played a T20 game, nor has Mitch Stark since the last T20 World Cup, would you believe? So they get rested a lot. They play all forms of the game. So there's every chance that they'll be sliding back in to prepare um, and, and really finalise this squad for the World Cup. So Australia are going to head over and use these games. They're going to play some cards and it's going to give a good indication of how they want to play things uh, in the World Cup. So I think that's good. Australians want that. They want their best team out there. Um, but they also want to know what it's going to look like for the World Cup because we've had the next generation guys have some opportunities and we've had a good look at those. Now it'll be nearly full tilt, I would suggest, and probably the strategies that they want to play, particularly with batting orders. I think that'll be the, the, the big question mark because it has been tossed around a bit lately. So if New Zealand fans were just to do some scoreboard scouting of that series against the West Indies, they might have their eyes sort of drawn into the fact that the West Indies scored 202, 207 and 220. That's a lot of runs in T20 cricket. But you think maybe a little bit misleading due to the, just the, the nature of team selection for that series? Yeah, look, uh, you know, there's been some other players. Travis Head hasn't played. He'll open the batting. Dave Warner will be opening the batting. This is his swung song. He played in the T20 in Perth, which is his last opportunity in Australian soil with Australian colours. Uh, he'll then play over in New Zealand. He'll then go to the IPL. So it's a bit of an odd preparation for a number of these players. They will go to the IPL. That'll be their main preparation in separate franchises for a lot of them. And then they'll come together and prepare for that World Cup. So it is a little bit odd. Um, so, look, the, the batting order, Travis Head will be there. And surprisingly, you know, where's the spot for Steve Smith? Because it will be yes. Mitch Marsh batting at three. And then you have, obviously, Glenn Maxwell, probably the hottest property with the bat in white ball cricket, whether it be one day T20 anywhere. He's belting them for fun. So... Look, it's, it, it is interesting just how Australia are going about it, and th that's the exciting part from an Australian, you know, Australian fan perspective is they're looking to see how they want to go about it. We, okay, you be selector. You name your best 11. Does Steve Smith slide in there somewhere? 
How do you construct, say, the top six especially? Well, the, the big issue with, with Australia is, and the problem has been in, in the middle firepower where they need power hitting. Now, we know New Zealand's got that covered. They've got really got some accelerators there. And I'm talking about the guys that can come in and, and strike at 200 from ball one. That's where Australia's missed out. So it'll be fresh faces and names like a Tim David who can play that yes. role. We know Marcus Stoinis has been there and thereabouts, but his form, unfortunately, over a period of time has been really lumpy. So it's probably not him in the frame in that type of role. So it really comes down to those those form players. Josh Inglis has been the guy with the gloves, but we've also had Matthew Wade has been a consistent performer, even captained some of the T20 games for Australia in the past. So he'll slot into that sort of seven role, I think, Matthew Wade, with maybe Josh Inglis at four or five. So it does get squeezed. And for someone with a quality of Steve Smith to be considered to be outside of the lineup. If he doesn't open, I don't think Steve Smith can find a slot because he's not necessarily that power accelerator, and that's what Australia really need to go and win a World Cup. So, look, it's um, it, it, it is exciting. Um, the preparation has happened through the Big Bash. We know the next generation, but you know, with the whole squad coming together, that's why this New Zealand series is so important. Yeah, it's it's great. David Warner before he departs comes to New Zealand because he's so loved over here. It's still there, Bryce. Can you hear me? Yeah, sorry. Just to say that again, Daniel, we just got a bit of a cross line. But that's right. I was just being a little bit pithy, saying that it's nice of David Warner to not forget New Zealand. Come on over to her here because we're, you know, so much love and affection in New Zealand for David <laughs> Warner. <laughs> yeah, we know he ruffles feathers. Yeah, he actually ruffles <laughs> our own feathers. So, you know, he's a polarising type of guy, even in Australia. A lot. Uh, a portion of the country love him, but there's a portion of the country that really find him a bit antagonistic. So, look, but what they do love is his performance at the top of the order. And uh, it's not going to be music to New Zealand fans ears. It's the fact that he's actually batting as well as ever. So, uh, yeah. it, it, particularly in T20, he just peeled off an 80 in his last game in Australia. So, he's in good touch um, and he'll be looking to fire up um, and, and give everything for this, uh, the, you know, this preparation for this World Cup. Yeah, there's so much batting power there. If, if, if you're wondering if you can or cannot pick Steve Smith, you're in a pretty good position. I know Stornis, you said, been a little bit up and down, but he goes back to Eden Park where he played one of the most incredible one-day innings I've ever seen live, nearly winning a game single-handedly. Short boundaries there. It's going to be absolute dynamite. Speaking of dynamite, maybe you allow me to sort of pivot from the T20 series and then look further down the road in the test game. I just want to talk about these three gems in Cummins, Hazelwood and Stark. How do they do it? every form of the game over and over and over again. Yeah, and they've been so adaptable. That's the key, Daniel. They've adapted to the game. Early on, Hazel was probably seen as more of a red ball test player, uh, a bit like Glenn McGrath in the past. You know, you can put it on the spot and seam it and really challenge the batsman. But then he went to the IPL and evolved that part of his game as well. And the Australian selectors and coaches, Andrew McDonald, the head of that is the Australian coach now, is so open-minded to players going and developing these types of opportunities and improving their game and the, the, allowing them and encouraging them to go to the IPL. Now, that hasn't always been the case. It's always mm. been, oh, that cuts across the Australian schedule and all those types of things. But the more opportunity these players have got, the better they've become. And, and, and that's why they're so valuable to Australia. They played every test, all five test matches over the 
um, uh, over the Australian summer, which shows how durable they are as well. So they're, they're rock solid uh, in terms of their fitness. They do get managed really, really well, but credit to them, they also prepare and recover extremely well. They have ultimate professionals. They're so close. They're all from the same state. They play for New South Wales. They're from Sydney. They are so strong and connected. Uh, add to that um, a, a pretty handy off-spinner we've had along the line uh, in Nathan Lyon, and the four of them are the, the most prolific wicket-taking group that Australia's ever had in a bowling lineup. So they're coming across for the tests, and, uh, you know, they're... They're primed and uh, and ready to, uh, to to perform. It is going to be a challenge, that, and I see it, Daniel, that the Australian batters in New Zealand conditions, a moving ball has always been an Achilles heel. If there's a bit of swing, if there's a bit of seam, then I can tell you right now, the Australian batters will all find it a bit of a challenge. So um, I'm sure that'll be the, the, the ultimate preparation in terms of the wickets you'd be about challenging them and then wearing it because I think New Zealand handle that moving ball just a whole lot better. And, you know, there's none none better than Kane Williamson in world cricket at that. Yeah, you talk about Nathan Lyon. It it seems so long ago now when they last toured over here, 26, and this sort of emphasises your point. We'd like to see them playing more and more. Um, You know, New Zealand at times have got a bit of stage fright in Australia in particular in recent times, but Nathan Lyon was the leading wicket-taker in 2016, 10 wickets. And New Zealand have, uh, you know, struggled against an off-spinner here who's been in the international wilderness for four years. So, Nathan Lyon, you know, we've been waxing lyrical on the commentary box saying, you know, but after the captain may be the first name down on the team sheet. You know, what an incredible <laughs> contributor he has been. He's been amazing. And uh, he, he continues, like all the rest of them, they're just so professional at how they go about it. Um, I, I think they've really got the balance now and the, the change of coach has helped that from an Australian perspective. Yeah. Um, from a, a Justin Langer, a bit old school, really tough on them, um, challenging, and they needed that. They needed to grow up. Yeah. But now it's this collaborative, allowing some trust in the players to, to prepare and, and do their best work. The players are now enjoying that environment so much more and, and they are relaxed. They are smiling. They are playing happy cricket, and happy cricketers uh, do perform really well. And Nathan Lyon is exactly that. Even though he's, you know, well into his 30s, he's performing as well as ever. He's as active as ever. Um, he's as dynamic off his own bowling. Um, you know, those things really come into play. Um, you know, they've all got this energy to keep performing at the highest level and uh, and right. keeping their standards, if not as high as they can, even getting better later in their career. So. Uh, you know, it's, it, it, the admiration for Nathan Lyon as an off-spinner, particularly in Australian conditions where you've got to play every summer, the, the ball doesn't turn much here. Um, there's not much going on, but he's found a, a solution. He's solved the problems um, of, uh, you know, playing on pretty flat wickets in Australia. Um, you know, he's, he's our off-spin genius. You know, any wonder they call him the yes. GOAT. <laughs> hey, Bryce, I'll get you out on this one. Uh, I've grown up watching Australia top six, just, you know, melt opposition sides in the first day of Test Series at home particularly. Like, some incredible batting lineups. Is the weakness, by Australian standards, the top six as currently constituted? I, I still can't get my head around Steve Smith Test Match opener and Green, you know, yet to really establish himself after 25 Tests taking a spot at number four. Is there a softish, and I won't say soft, a softish underbelly there? Well, 
as I said before, the vulnerability is the moving ball. If, if the ball yes. is moving around, it's going to test these. The, the Australian batsmen, they've always struggled with that. So that, that's the first thing. And, it does, you know, even Steve Smith in those situations has been a bit vulnerable, but he does solve the problem. It looks a bit ungainly. He does it his way. Um, but his powers of concentration and skill and hand-eye coordination are, you know, right up there with the very best of all time Australian players. So... Um, he, he finds a way. This has actually reignited him personally, moving from four yes. to opening. It's something that he put his hand up and said, I want to do this. I want to be the person to do that, to be ignited in the last part, phase of his career. Um, he sees it as a real challenge and uh, and he's preparing accordingly. Um, Australia's batting and, and the whole group, uh, they are pushing 30 and into their 30s and it is a bit of an ageing team. So that they need to incorporate some young players and uh, Cameron Green as an all-rounder, but also his key batting um, has performed exceptionally well uh, in, in domestic cricket. Now, from my view, and I do get to call uh, a lot of the Sheffield Shield and, and follow that around the country um, every season, um, I haven't seen Sheffield Shield as strong as what it is now. It, it is a really strong competition. So you know that players who are performing there are getting international ready. And uh, Cameron Green certainly performs really well there. He averages 56 in that competition. Um, oh, yeah. and, and so his test career isn't quite to that extent. He has batted at six. So it has been a little bit different, but his domestic cricket has been at four. Um, a bit like Jacques Callis. Now, I'm not saying he's necessarily um, Jacques Callis quality <laughs> yet, but, you know, the Australian selectors are looking at him as to be the future of Australian cricket, um, particularly with the bat. And then, by the way, he also bowls 145Ks an hour as well. Yeah. So he's a pretty <laughs> pretty handy type of and player. And fields in two gullies. He's two gullies. He's two gullies and one, too. Let's not forget that. Yeah, with that. an arm hey, Bryce, like it's a real treating back in the day, you know, <laughs> at, uh, in the gully. Yeah, he's pretty extraordinary. <laughs> Wonderful to hear your voice. Love your insights as always, Bryce. You're so generous with your time. Thanks for joining us on SENZ Test Cricket. Go enjoy your day. Always great to catch up, Daniel. And, uh, yeah, can't wait for this series. A lot of excitement here. Um, Looking forward to get started. Really fascinating to hear Bryce McGain, the former Australian spinner, describe the tour to New Zealand as the pinnacle of the Australian summer. There's a lot of excitement in Australia for what is approaching a T20 series of three games and two test matches. Lovely to hear his thoughts. Back with more and our lunchtime coverage. Thanks to Razine, quality paint and colours perfect for your summer projects.